Danish and confused. Part 19. I like trains. Let me take you back. January 24th, midday. I'm in a nice apartment by the seaside of Copenhagen, eating an omelette in the faint sunlight of the late morning. Next to me is my scruffy-looking backpack, loaded with clothes and snacks, looking like it's about to burst. In about an hour or so, I'll be on a train to head northwest, to a wintry wasteland where I've never been before. A Danish attempt to what they call a holiday. That is, if all goes well. Ahead of us is a long and heavily loaded bike ride to the station, and after that, a five-hour trip over the Danish railway system, up, up, up to the small harbor town of Eu. If that wasn't clear to you, that spells E-G-A with a little accent. Pronounced Eu. Makes absolute sense, doesn't it? I will stop passive-aggressively commenting on the Danish language when they decide to add logic to it. Anyway, we arrive at the station and I get pretty excited because I'm actually going somewhere. And I also really like trains. I like trains. It reminds me of my good old commuting days on the NMBS, the great veins that flow through Flanders with some occasional blood clots and thrombosis every once in a while. If there is anything the Danes like, it's structure and order and trains that run on time. I've heard the legends, it's time to see for myself if they're actually true. And little did I know, I was to discover the other side of that coin.
So we enter the station. We find the little box thingies where you can buy the tickets. We do the little clickety clicks on the screen, et voila. 442 kroners each one-way ticket. To put that in perspective, that's 60 euros each. I, 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 I like trains. I like trains. Lesson number one. You have to buy train tickets in advance. Lesson number two. Taking your bike on the train is also mucho expensivo. Lesson number three. Don't be chill in your planning. Go to the platform 15 minutes in advance. A very cranky lady denied us entry to the train we booked because we only had one minute left to get on it. You, you, you get out of here! One Danish stinky eye and a train whistle later, we were standing on the platform looking at our train that was leaving the station without us. Lesson number four. Three out of four train conductors are nasty. Luckily, there was one that helped us find the right train and the right wagon. We chose our seats, fastened our bikes, and thought all was settled and well. Alas, don't sleep on it. Being in Denmark as a foreigner, there's probably some kind of rule you're overlooking. And indeed we did. One hour into our ride on the Nordic Hogwarts Express, another nasty train conductor told us that we were not just sitting on the wrong seats, we also didn't officially have seats. You see, we had to add another ticket to our fast-growing collection of tickets, our seat reservation. And there's lesson number five for you, which can be nicely categorized under the big bubble of plan your shit in advance which is not a skill very well known to artists and musicians. Either way, another panic later, what? 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 we finally were in the right seat, on the right train, with the right tickets. Hallelujah, Hosanna, and praise be. And, oh, did I mention that I like trains. Something is wrong. Something is wrong.
A shot in the dark. It's eight in the evening now, and we've traveled 180 kilometers, speeding through the outstretched plains of Denmark. Except we didn't get to see a single thing. Outside the windows, it was pitch black. Winter in Denmark means it gets dark fairly quickly. The worst days are definitely December, when it's dark at four in the afternoon. But in January, it was around five o'clock in the afternoon, so we saw approximately 40 minutes of Denmark in daylight. We felt as though we were in a nice glass cocoon of coziness that train travels brings along with it. A movie, some snacks, and sleeping passengers scattered throughout the wagon, accompanied by that rumbling, tumbling white noise of a moving train. The serenity of travel is something incomparable to anything. The state of blissful limbo when you cannot hear the noise behind you anymore that you're escaping, and you also can't yet hear the adventures that lie ahead of you. Anticipation and calm go hand in hand inside the belly of that long metal snake. We finally arrive in the heart of Aarhus, where it's dark and quiet outside. We take our bikes and let our good friend Google Maps guide us to the little harbor town 10 minutes up north. It's cold and windy and on our right we see, or rather hear, the dark waves of the sea as we pass it by. Leaving the city, we pass by forests on our left, the sea on our right and we encounter late night joggers. And that's when I finally connected the dots and understand why Danes are so obsessed with crime television. They're basically living in a land designed for getting away with murder. Think about it. It's not very densely populated. It's dark all the time. Everyone's obsessed with jogging. You have so many forests to murder in and water to dump all the bodies into. These aren't the lightest thoughts to have while trying to start a chill holiday. So we speed up our biking and think of bunnies instead. Happy killing! Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Part 21. Sitting on the dock of the bay. When I see the opportunity of sleeping on a boat, I take it. I had booked an Airbnb on a tiny boat in the harbor of Eo, and it did not disappoint. If you can keep an open mind, at least. After biking through what felt like a boat graveyard on land, we reached the docks and at the very end of the middle one was our boat for the three nights to come. It was tiny, shiny, and more tiny. Gracefully, <clears throat> I climbed on board and was greeted by the host and his most beautiful, beautiful Labrador. The lovely creature, and by that I mean the dog, slipped on the linoleum floor by its sheer enthusiasm of seeing new people. The tiny kitchen was crammed with three people and a dog, but also full of negative COVID tests and holiday merrymaking. The bedroom, which was also the bathroom, was basically a fancy wooden, not so very secluded mortuarium, where we had to slide into the beds. For two tall people, it wasn't exactly a dreamboat. That night we went to bed, exhausted in the most Nordic location in Denmark that I've ever been. The harbor had the stillest water and the wind had gone down. And now, I will unashamedly play a song from my own musical project because it's the perfect segue, because the song is called Harbor Me, and because in the story I'm in a harbor and I feel harbored in a tiny boat in a harbor. There. I am but a paper plane I can seem to find a method to my madness Dip around in disarray I can't seem to find the logic to what this is. Ha 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 ha. 
now that I shamelessly self-promoted my music, let's continue this story. Turns out, traveling in the midst of a pandemic is not so very rewarding. Especially if you decide to travel to a tiny, tiny harbor town. But it's not good enough. Well, may I ask what you were expecting to see out of a talky hotel bedroom window? <laughs> Sydney Opera House, perhaps? The Hanging Gardens of Babylon? We didn't see any of that. But what we did see all the time. You can see the sea. It's over there between the land and the sky. There's no restaurants to go to, no museums to visit. You basically just take trips to the supermarket and make food in a slightly different environment than you would at home. Yay. But our environment was a boat. So we filled our days with walks on the beach and icy docks. D docks. So docks, that is, not dogs. <coughs> or ducks. Docks with walks through the forests, and mind you, we were blessed with the bluest of blue skies, not a cloud in sight. Being away from the city and being quite north, I've never inhaled so much oxygen in one breath. In the distance, we saw the skyline of Aarhus, the second largest city in Denmark. After three blissful days on the boat and the serene beaches of Eau, we visited Aarhus for a day. For all my fellow Belgians out there, it was as if Hasselt and Ghent had a baby, but then with more of those typical red and yellow colored houses along the water. It was honestly so sad to walk past the closed venues and the closed cafes and bars, thinking of all the cultural and nightlife that's come to a halt, and not just in Denmark. It was like the city was still in hibernation. There were people in the streets, but we couldn't enter the houses or buildings that we walked past. Especially being in Den Gamlebu, or the old town, where everything was still the way it was in the old days. It was kind of like being in the Efteling, looking at the sleeping and slightly creepy dolls inside the houses in Hetzbrokjesbos. But even in a fairy tale like Sleeping Beauty, where the world was asleep for a hundred years, the people woke up again. Stay on Nobody 
Freezing in a Winter Wonderland At the end of January, I was able to experience something I hadn't experienced in ages since Corona. I went on a holiday to a cabin with three friends to escape the world and have a great time. So after our boat extravaganza in Eo, we met up with two friends and went even more north to Helsund, a small town which is written H-A-D-S-U-N-D, but of course it's pronounced as Helsund, which doesn't make any sense to me, but seems to be totally normal for everyone else in this lingually chaotic country. Confusing spelling aside, it was a wonderful week. Even though the days consisted of only six hours of solid sunlight, which was also partly due because of our sleeping patterns, the sun shone and it shone good. The snow outside greeted us with sparkles every morning as we ate our luxurious Danish brunch. We did the thing that everybody must do on a Nordic holiday, which is the sauna. 
The neighbors must have been thoroughly confused, watching four naked young adults run frantically out of a tiny cabin, sprint to the front yard to roll around butt naked in the snow and make snow angels while singing segments of Stevie Wonder hits, running back and disappearing into the tiny cabin again, only to repeat this cycle every 15 minutes for almost two hours. I can only recommend. Vi går som gennem vulkan Du har hånden i min baglom Med et stjulen blik Beundrer du min næseryg Går en tur omkring kapellet Vi går tur Could someone save the baby? 
was also determined to keep the tradition of ice bathing alive during this trip. So on one of our beach walks there was a type of energy in the air that can only occur when everybody knows you're going for an ice bath. Except this time I was not feeling it. And I'm glad I wasn't because it gave me the opportunity to film one of the greatest things I've ever filmed. Imagine, it's minus two degrees Celsius. It's four o'clock in the afternoon on a beach in the north of Denmark and across the water you're able to see Sweden underneath a pink hue. 
Your three hyped up and terrified friends are stripping down and getting ready to face the cold water in between us and Sweden. Bare feet, naked and shivering but high on adrenaline, they stand on the edge of the sand. I have my camera ready for this brave expedition of theirs, as two of them carefully enter the water with their feet. It's cold, they say. Well, who'd have thunk? Suddenly, the third friend sprints past us in a whirlwind and rockets across the water. The other two Eskimos followed immediately, and I witnessed some sort of nudist aqua version of that scene in Chariots of Fire. They keep running and screaming, and running and screaming and running, and I'm noticing that something's off, and they're noticing something's off. As they were turning into dots in the distance, the bottom of the sea didn't really seem to go downhill. They just kept going until I was sure that they had entered Swedish waters, and after about 70 meters of running on water like Jesus, they decided to turn around. But confused as they were, they weren't really ready to return to the land of Denmark yet, because the mission wasn't finished. So with equal speed and equal adrenaline, they just started running in random directions. Their feet were still the only thing that had actually been in the water so far. So I was just looking at three adult people running in circles in 40 centimeter high water in minus two degrees Celsius. It was glorious. After a while, they just did the inevitable and lay flat on their back and belly to somewhat get the experience of swimming. But it was more like the movements of a suffocating fish on land, if I'm honest. And after that, they got up and I've never seen a naked man run so resolutely and so fast towards land. The video that I made that day is by far the most precious recording I possess. Thank you.
3. Fun Facts After this lovely trip to the north of Denmark, I learned a lot. One of those things is I learned how to knit. Knitting is a big thing here. Everybody knits. And yarn is available in every supermarket. After battling the wires and the sticks, I finally sort of got the hang of it, thanks to my wonderful teacher, Amanda. And since then, I've knitted about three-fourths of a scarf. Let's pray that I'll finish it before the winter ends here. Besides knitting, I've also learned that Danes really like dogs. And after doing my own not-so-scientific research, I found out that city dwellers have tiny dogs, and the further you go out of the city, the bigger the dogs. People with larger dogs are also usually friendlier than the people with small dogs. They smile more, but I'm hopeful that tiny dog owners will come around and turn out to be friendly as well. Another fun fact is that Danes like to stare. When I'm walking down the street, or if I go jogging, or if I'm on my bike, they stare at me as if there's tomato sauce on my face. And I usually don't have tomato sauce on my face, that happened only once or twice. Danes are generally proud of their country, but if I may be so bold, they can be a bit hypocritical. They make you feel like it's their way or the highway. And to non-Danes like me, Denmark might seem like they have their shit together, but it's more that they can't really stand the sight of someone not fitting in or following the rules. Don't get me wrong, the rules are good rules, but cut a lady some slack. And for my last fun fact, it's actually something that I discovered about Sweden recently. Don't ask me how I came to know about this. There's a thing called bunny jumping competitions. Oh yes, it's like dog races or horse jumping, but then with bunnies. Look it up on Google Images and thank me later. And on that note, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Danish and Confused. I'm also very happy that I can say this is already the seventh episode of Danish and Confused. What a ride it's been since August. Anyway, my name is Mareike and I hope you'll also tune in to the next one. Have a great Sunday and Kelly Hill!
Danish and confused. Thank you.